0: What's it been like to you watching this play out on social media? Like I've seen a lot of misinformation. I've seen videos like, look how awesome this video is. It's from 2014. The associate uh, NPR had a thread. Maybe I'll try and find and share it was like, here's all the things that have been going viral that are completely false.
1: I just think it's disastrous for our mental health that we're Mm. watching a war play out on social media.
0: A real, a real like large scale war. Yeah. Right, and and
1: I, I think for young people in particular, like it really shakes your foundation because you think mm-hmm. to yourself, hey, I live in a city. Um, oh, look, I'm seeing these people like fleeing for their lives. I'm seeing apartment buildings getting mm-hmm. shelled. I'm seeing uh, people know, making their own Maltop cocktails. seeing tanks just roll yeah. into town. I'm yeah. seeing civilians rush us around
0: the capital city, whoever it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah it's like, I think it's just terrible for everyone's mental health and well-being on a level that I can't recall, um, you know, like I, I'm imagining, I'm remembering when folks were watching TV in the 90s during the Gulf War and Gulf War Two. Mm-hmm. social media was not to this level and you didn't have folks just broadcasting what was going on in those locations. on forward russia's invasion of ukraine how it could play out best case scenarios economic and political impact here in the u.s this week on forward welcome back welcome back back. it is uh it it's been a tough time i think for most everyone because I don't know about you, Zach, but like every day you wake up and then you go to your phone and be like, what is going on in Ukraine?
0: Watching this play out on social media is fascinating is a word I'm going to use, but not in a good way. Like, you know,
1: it's engrossing.
0: Yeah. Negative. A lot of negative energy. It's Um,
1: debilitating.
0: (sighs) Thoughts on what's what you're seeing? What you're not seeing, what you're wading through every day. What are your high level thoughts, Andrew?
1: I'm really heartened by the relatively unified response out of the West. Mm -hmm. Uh, These stories of, for example, Poland uh, giving fighter jets to Ukrainian pilots who essentially get in the plane and then just are able to take off because they're... Russian made models that Ukrainian pilots are more or less familiar with. Mm, that that image really struck me where like you're bringing fighter planes and they're just like able to take off in them and go fight. Uh the appeal by President Zelensky saying, "Hey, anyone who wants to come fight with us, we'll give you weapons." Like and him
0: like uh, legit hunkering down and bearing arms and fighting. Yeah, it, it,
1: it's been one of the most inspirational things that uh I can remember. Um, so Z- Zelensky is, by background, a TV actor uh, who played a president in a sitcom. In, a bit of a comedy, right? Yeah. So it would be the equivalent of, I'm going to say, Tom Hanks becoming president here in the U.S. I was going to
0: say Julie Ray What's her name? Julie Dreyfus. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Louis Dreyfus, where she literally played a president. Well, she played <laughs> in a vice comedy. president. I think Didn't she did. She eventually a get VP the, in the series. Anyway, she
1: she was mainly a VP and then became president for like a half minute. Yeah, yeah that's right. I'm, I'm not sure if Tom Hanks played a president, but I, I'm thinking about Tom Hanks in the 80s when he was a comic actor. Mm, which I am thinking was, Kevin
0: Spacey maybe.
1: And then he went serious. You could say uh, Kevin Klein from Dave.
0: Oh yeah, you need, but it has to be a comedy, and like honestly, it's a really good strategy because Americans. One of the hardest parts of getting elected president, and we dealt with this, was uh, can Americans visualize and see you as their president? Well, this is one of the
1: darker elements of contemporary life, but there is so much performance uh, involved in being a political figure at this point, Yeah, where if you can get in front of a TV camera and give a compelling speech off of a teleprompter... That actually is a, a very important skill. It's a qualifier.
0: Yeah. You're yeah. qualified for the job. Yes. And,
1: and so would a
0: world-class
1: actor be excellent at that? 100% yes.
0: Which is funny because some of the best operators in the world today, let's call it. I mean, you. I'm going to use the term best. I'm going to say top earners and entrepreneurs. Let's call it Zuckerbergs or Elon Musk or that sort of thing. Would probably be horrible in those environments. But, yeah, sure. They're not performers right. in that way. Um, and that's... Uh, you know, we could actually, we have had a whole podcasts on this in some ways. Anyway, Zelensky was a comedian president and is now the real president. And is now the real president. <laughs> but there were a couple of
1: ways it could go. And the way it went is that Zelensky has hunkered down and said, this is my country. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's greet them with Molotov cocktails. Like the whole thing has been uh, extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And has highlighted for, I think he has legitimately shamed the West into helping mm-hmm. because he's willing to sacrifice so much. His uh, country men and women are sacrificing so much that you're like, okay, like we have to get with the program and help this yep. country, help this man. Um, it, it's been one of uh, the most singular things I've ever uh, recalled. Um, and I think he single-handedly turned the world sentiment in a particular direction. Yes. Um, so the sanctions have gone up and up and up. Uh, to the point where it feels like every day this conflict goes on is a punishing day for the Russian economy. For Putin, the ruble has crashed uh, against the dollar. Apparently, about half of their foreign reserves are off limits to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's at least one Russian bank that's reported to be on the verge of failure. So uh, uh, it's uh, it's know, clear to me, it's clear to me that. Uh, that Putin expected it to be easier and faster. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he expected Crimea, the sequel, um, and it is not. Uh, And so now every day seems to matter. Um, So heartened by the Western unified response, heartened by the cost. It's uh, uh, it's imposing on Russia, the pressure. The single biggest variable now is whether Putin's a rational actor. And there is an increasing concern that he's not as rational as you'd hope. He's 70 years old. Uh, he's been in power for two decades plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's ruled with a an iron fist. He doesn't have a whole lot of checks and balances going on. He's yep. surrounded by folks who are probably deathly afraid of him. Yep. Uh, and, and so as this conflict escalates, the major question is, as the cost goes up, will his
0: uh, mm-hmm. better
1: instincts prevail where he says... Look, this cost is terrible in terms of uh, the economy, um, lives of Russian soldiers, the extent Mm -hmm. that matters to him. Um, And and does he say, "Okay, we'll take the eastern separatist parts of Ukraine, call it victory, uh, (laughs) withdraw and then go back and hope that the West uh, rescinds these sanctions and we go back to something approaching normality. Or does he say, okay, uh, we're going to elevate this uh, mm-hmm. to a point where there is no restraint in terms of uh, bombarding civilian buildings and cities uh, in Ukraine? Because you know that there is a level of restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it was reported that they used at least one of these vacuum bombs that yeah. causes massive harm, but you know that Russia has the whole spectrum uh, all the Uh, way up to nuclear weapons. It's remarkable to me how much hinges upon the mentality and rationality of one human, Uh, but here we are. that's expressvpncom VPN.com slash Yang. Go to expressvpn.com slash yang to learn more.
0: Right now, like where we are today is obviously Russia has invaded Ukraine. It's not going fast, let's put it that way. Like the missing, like the information's flying sideways. We have no idea what Putin's actual mentality and timeline was, but it seems to be slow. And the West, this has united the West, um, particularly the EU. Um, so you're seeing a couple of things. So the EU accepted Ukraine's application to join, which they hadn't before, which is really an economic thing and not a military thing, but they're giving them $500 million in aid for their military. I'm quoting a Politico Instagram post, which is actually pretty good. The EU will be shutting down airspace, its airspace to Russian flights, Um, and putting a ban on their Kremlin media machine. Germany is halting uh, their Nord Stream 2 energy pipeline with Moscow. So they're getting crushed on that type of stuff. The U.S. is hunting down any rich Russian in the U.S., it appears. They're going after the quote was they're going after. This is from the White House or Biden administration, senior official. We're going after their yachts, their luxury apartments, their money and their ability to send their kids to fancy schools in the West probably a very interesting or effective tactic, potentially. They're targeting Putin's personal assets in the US and in Europe, um, which is apparently billions in wealth. And one of my favorite one was uh, BP was just getting rid of its 20% stake in Rosneft. Rosneft, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but it's a state-controlled oil producer, which is billions of dollars. They're just, fuck you, Putin, fuck everything. So the strategy here is Russia goes in with bombs and guns and planes and trying to take this over. Ukraine says this is our home. Fuck you. And the international community is now just trying to squeeze them out sanction wise. Do you think Putin gives a shit about sanctions?
1: Yeah, I think he does. Really? Uh, you know, I, I think he expected to be sanctioned, but I think he's being surprised by the severity and unanimity and breadth of these sanctions. Mm. And I think it was easier for him before the fact to say, OK, they'll sanction me. It won't be so bad because we
0: have kind of sanctioned him before right and have been far weaker
1: but it's it seems the harm and the pain are deeper and more severe than um i believe that he saw coming Mm -hmm. and uh he may or may not care about the fortunes of other oligarchs Mm -hmm. uh, who've lost i think i saw a number where they've lost you know 40 billion 80 billion like whatever the number is Uh, collectively, a lot of these Russian companies are globally listed. And and they're getting crushed. crushed. So uh, to the extent that that he has a circle around him, um, that circle is saying to him, hey, uh, this is painful and please make it stop. Um, Now, it could be that he doesn't actually hear those figures or care, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think he anticipated the severity. And one big sign of that is that he saber rattled uh, re- the other day, where he said, "Hey, these sanctions are um, uh, above and beyond, mm. and I will threaten—you know—essentially nuclear deterrence." Which, right. by the way, makes zero sense. It's like you cut off my banking system, and I nuke <laughs> you. Like, and I'm happy to say that no one took it seriously, um, but it, it showed that these were not things that he anticipated and was taking in stride.
0: I mean, look, we, I think we we're all—we are all shocked by the sanctions, and I think the European Union is probably shocked that they were able to get everybody together and that sort of um, get aligned, right? This uh, like this second. This brings me to my second question, though. Do you think Putin is a rational actor?
1: Yeah, uh, no, you hope so. But there are some indications that he may, might not be uh, as lucid as you'd hope. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't see any real evidence that he is like the whole thing is irrational. It's this, a Hitler type mentality, it appears. This whole thing strikes one as deeply irrational. Yeah, uh, I
1: think that there's been a wholesale miscalculation on his part mm-hmm. around the nature of the welcome or resistance he'd receive mm-hmm. in Ukraine. I mm-hmm. think he talked himself into the fact that people would maybe not be happy to see him, but certainly wouldn't be fighting tooth and nail. Right. And that they'd be able to take uh, the capital relatively quickly. Um, and, and so that that's just, you know, you delude yourself. So I, I think he fooled himself on, on that score. And now that he's getting all this evidence that it's not working out that way, mm-hmm. the question is, does he double down or does he
0: rethink and right. and uh, pull back? So this is where I want to go. I think we're having fun with this. So we ran for president. You wrote your book. And a lot of the stuff you, even with forward party, a lot of stuff you're doing, uh, it really can tie back to one main principle, one of the main principles, but a main principle that everything we do revolves around the almighty dollar, right? We've talked about that, but it, and that has been, it's literally been God to the vast majority, definitely the West, um, but most most of the world and most people. And uh, my interesting thought, I'm curious what you think, is that it feels like we actually hit its limit in that what I I talk about BP pulling out of a deal, they're going to lose billions of dollars. Right now, the stock market, like, you're not investing. You're not touching Russian. If you're a hedge fund, you're not touching Russian companies if you can get out of their investments, right? You're dealing with backlash and supporting that. You go Visa is out of Russia, like Apple Pay, all of that, right? So it seems like this almighty dollar has a point until you hit good or evil. And Bill Ackman, hedge fund guy, who likes you, if I recall, um, smart guy. He put out a massive Twitter thread saying, basically calling Joe Biden to go to war um, and send troops there. And which, you know, he didn't have kids at military age. He's not gonna put up arms. so I don't love that. But he did make some good points. And one of the points he made was that this was, this is not a money war, this is a just war. This is a good versus evil war. Do you agree with that? And is that changing our like, Almighty dollar calculus. So first, the biggest indication
1: of the almighty dollar ruling your institutions, I would argue, is uh, China's relationship with Hollywood, with the NBA, where no one can speak ill of China. Uh, you remember that John Cena oh, yeah, man. Uh, apology and whatnot? I it's love like China that. has uh, you know, such a huge market and is such a big uh, revenue driver for right. uh, some of our biggest entertainment. Right. And that's about money, not morals. I mean,
0: it is about yeah. morals. But no, no, so it's, about money. it's about money. I mean, I think money. everyone knows that it's, yeah. like, it's
1: just like, look, big market. Sure. So let's sand down any uh, any criticism. Like we don't
0: mind your human rights violations as long as you stay in your borders, in your own bubble. But as soon as you start fucking with others on a massive scale, we mind. I don't know, like outside your borders. I don't well, know. So
1: so there so there, there is this market uh, driven mentality. And I I think one of the reasons why Russia's invasion of Ukraine is setting everyone off uh, is because it's so highly irrational and value destructive. Mm. Uh, And so you're taking that value destruction and you're having Russia internalize it. Uh, (laughs) So uh, Mm. the fact that there is that this my uh, instinct generally is that the U.S. should be doing everything in its power to help Ukraine uh, uh in part because of the rationale that this is an entirely unjustified uh, irrational war
0: from a superpower yeah uh,
1: and and that if if you are the united states uh this is the clearest moral imperative i have seen uh in terms of having a democracy uh getting attacked mm-hmm. by a, a hostile aggressor um uh, in a way that's uh that's really stark and this is from a guy who you know thinks military interventions are the absolute last resort um but i, I think that there is a lot of compelling reason mm-hmm. for us to see this as something that's core to a uh, world order that benefits the united states of america you know if, if you had to put like a value on it it's kind of incalculable mm-hmm. uh, you know that if that world order disintegrates then a lot of stuff goes away Uh, and the world like it or not kind of relies upon the us to maintain that order it's an order that the us is one of the biggest beneficiaries of Yep, a lot of people benefit from it uh and if you have something like this invasion go unchecked now uh right now you could very you know you could very clearly argue it's like look the us is doing a lot of stuff to put pressure uh on russia but the entire time I felt like Russia was capitalizing on American disunity and weakness. Mm. Um, I, I'm very glad that it seems to have rallied uh, the West uh, and revitalized NATO. In terms of global unity, um, it has been remarkable and maybe since 9-11. But one of the interesting things is that I think most all Americans now are like, we stand with Ukraine, Russia, yeah, terrible, the best, the the evil. ones
0: I follow a bunch of far right and far left accounts. And there's some on the far right that are thinking, Russia is not the only bad guy, but, they but it's seem such very a marginal. lame. They, it's see, such they a, seem yeah. very marginal. Yeah.
1: Um, The, the big mm-hmm. question is whether there would be appetite for American military uh, action or intervention. And the polling I've seen on that is uh, that the majority of Americans think that sanctions are appropriate, but
0: uh, sending troops is not. It appears we have not gone and sent troops because he's got nuclear bombs and we don't think he's rational. So sending troops would be an act of war against Russia, and they could justify to their people that someone's coming after them. And then, once you start one nuclear bomb, it's, it's a domino effect, and it's awful. Do you agree with that? Are we? Is that our big, that's, I'm assuming that's our biggest deterrence from trying to fight the guy.
1: Well, well, one of the the things that occurred to me, and um, Alexander Bidman made this case, uh, is that before the fact, if you let's say did have a handful of American. Um, troops in Ukraine, then th- that's like a deterrent. The other direction is like, look, if you attack Ukraine, which by the way, before Putin attacked Ukraine, most people thought there's no way he's crazy enough to right. actually invade. So if you had American troops there and it's American an troops get killed against us, there's an act of war against us. And by the way, that's like a pretty effective deterrent yeah. in my mind. And yep. and then it, you know, um, so uh, so that. That was a uh, to me, like you know, a step that maybe could have been considered uh, before the fact. Though that's kind of revisionist now. Mm-hmm. So now it, it seems like we'd be escalating things. Like you, you want to not be necessarily the the person who's responsible for you know the escalation, and now it would be perceived as an escalation if right. we went that direction. Whereas before, you know, like it, I mean, Russia obviously has been the clear aggressor. Um, so at this point, um, uh, I think that. Uh, trying to max out non-military punishments um, seems like the way to go. Mm-hmm. you know, I think seizing
0: assets of oligarchs and uh, of Putin, totally appropriate. right. What seems, I guess what breaks my heart and I know this is this is like the emotional side of this, at least for me, is that Ukraine's getting, like even if though they're holding the fort in a way, and doing way better than expected, they're getting bum rushed, right? They're getting, they're getting blown out of, like their whole way of life is ruined, um, or, you know, being sent back centuries. Um, they've got military presence in their streets. There's bomb, there's violence, people are dying, right? And we, the world are just watching. Now we're doing things, right? We are making it harder for Russia to do what they're doing. We're, taking away their resources to make it more challenging or impossible to do certain things. But we're not actually taking up fucking sword or gun and fighting. And I I hate that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I hate it's a bad feeling. It feels awful. It feels awful. And it's because we're scared. I think The answer is only to me that we're scared of them. Like, we're scared that they nuke somebody without rationality. And we can't stop it. Um, which... Is an, something we maybe never really talked, to, thought about before when it came to this mutually assured destruction from nukes. It's like, oh well, yeah, like, well, <laughs> I won't, I can't stop you from doing like this level of bad stuff because you could do that level of bad. So I'm going to let it well, go to a certain point.
1: You know, what's funny is like I initially thought that the U.S. could intervene uh, through conventional means. Yeah. And and uh, essentially just like, look, no one's crazy enough to nuke anyone, right? So you know, even if. Like you know, I send some planes and send some troops mm-hmm. and send some support. Like you know, that that's not nukeworthy. Like you know, like, yeah. like, like where, you know. Uh, so uh, like, I I imagine that there might be a level of restraint um, on both sides because, especially you know, if it's yeah. the U.S. and Russia. Then Putin's you, you clearly- not
0: a rational actor, so we don't really know. <laughs>
1: With Helix, better sleep starts now.
0: What's it been like to you watching this play out on social media. Like I've seen a lot of misinformation. I've seen videos like, look how awesome this video is. It's from 2014. The associate uh, NPR had a thread, maybe I'll try and find and share it, was like, here's all the things that have been going viral that are completely false. I just think it's disastrous
1: for our mental health that we're Mm. watching a war play out on social media.
0: A real, real, like large scale war. Yeah, and and
1: I I think for young people in particular, like it really shakes your foundation because you think Mm -hmm. to yourself, hey, I live in a city um, oh, look, I'm seeing these people like fleeing for their lives. I'm seeing apartment buildings getting shelled. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing, uh, people know, making their own I'm Maltab seeing tanks cocktails. Just roll yeah. into town. I'm yeah. seeing civilians rush around
0: the capital city, whoever it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it's like, I think it's just terrible for everyone's mental health and well-being on a level that I can't recall. Um, you know, like I, I'm imagine, mm-hmm. I'm remembering when folks were watching TV in the '90s during the Gulf War and Gulf War Two. Mm-hmm. Social media was not to this level, and you didn't have folks just broadcasting what was going on in those locations. Ooh,
0: you're like well, World War Two, right? Was the first. I mean, maybe you could argue you could argue World War I. Well, but I, World War Two had that fundamental evil. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And but it was still distant. You're reading about it via newspapers, right? Here, you're you're witnessing. You're fucking living that evil, right? Yes.
1: Uh, I'm on social media, and one of the things I don't do is I don't amplify um, these videos that make you feel very intensely Mm. uh, one thing or another. You know, like 999 times out of 1,000, I'm like, I'm not going to amplify this because, uh, you know, it it just makes you feel... um, very very strongly one emotion whether it's horror or mm-hmm. uh anger
0: fear or fear anxiety, or even
1: it. some of the positives where it's like look at this there's
0: some beautiful stories yeah. or
1: like look at this moral actor or look at this mm-hmm. like like you know like I, i'm so this is something that i you know it's kind of tough for for me to say but i feel like even the positive stuff like it, it's kind of um like reinforcing uh uh reactivity that i don't think is very positive or healthy Mm. where it's like pretty much if you home in on this beacon of um like horrific or uplifting behavior um then you get whipsawed in various Mm. ways like like if, if i'm magnifying something like super um courageous and uplifting then i feel like that person's then just gonna go from there to another video that's horrifying and then just mm. wound up, you know, having their uh, emotional pendulum just get like swing back the and Ukraine forth. The Ukraine
0: algorithm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so it's it's not productive or healthy. I mean, like a, a lot of the way I, I live is to think,
0: OK, what can I do about this? I don't know if we re- how often we talk about the podcast, but between us, we talk a lot about performative empathy. It's one thing we struggle with as, let's call it, former Democrats or folks with a conscience and and empathy where it's like there are things I can say that'll make you feel good and make me feel good and make me feel like I'm on the right team or doing the right like you know the things that are just or moral right but then there's stuff that needs to be done which is more gritty and nitty-gritty but like it's it's like it's solving the root causes of of police brutality and what we all went through with George Floyd like you can say the right things. You can put the Black Lives Matter flag up. You can do all the things. But then if you actually want to solve that problem, it's complicated. It's nuanced that. And so in this situation, you have a bunch of people be like, I stand with Ukraine. Here's a wholesome video. Donate to Save the Children or XYZ. But at the end of the day, there's very little we can actually do because unless you're going to pick up a gun, get to Ukraine and fight, or unless you're a government official that can control money, resources, food, XYZ and Russia's world, there's, there's nothing you can do the money's not really helping as much as we we hope. I'm sure it's like you know, on the margins, sure, but it's not a money issue, realistically. Um, do you agree with that? Like the performance, it, maybe it's. You think it's waking people up on putting the Ukraine flag in your Twitter bio isn't really particularly helping anything? Or well, I think sending money is always helpful.
1: I mean, money's real. Uh, you it's know, real, there, but there are it's humanitarian it's... things. Um, uh, you know, the the uh, expressing solidarity and alignment. Um, you know, like. Um. Uh, in this instance, probably, you know, mildly. I guess
0: better than nothing, I guess. Like, yeah.
1: I don't know. Uh, you know, you, you do want to distinguish, though, between expression and action, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, Yuval Levin <laughs> put put it. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, on this one, there really is one human being at the center of it all. And his name is, one fucking is, guy. You know, is Vladimir Putin. And, you know, like if, oh, yeah, if there's a, a way that you could somehow influence what's going on in that state of mind, then, you, you know. For it, other than that, try and help people Mm -hmm. at the margins. Now, but I I, I do think that there's something really, really uh, damaging about folks having these real life uh, conflicts and images playing out in social media in the way that they are. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately, I I think this is going to be a pattern Mm -hmm. where one of the things I put in the more normal people. Is that if you had a trucker convoy was my example, and then you had conflict break around uh, break out around that trucker convoy, mm-hmm. then you'd have these images uh, go out to millions and millions of people, of some isolated atrocity, and then it would end up inflaming folks in a particular way, uh, and that's accurate. Uh, you know, I, I, so let's say that the Ukraine conflict goes on for. Um, months, which I guess is at least conceivable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, there's going to be a recurring issue as conflicts happen, as uh, tragedies happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's something that I think is terrible for the next generation's mental health, truly. Yeah. I'm grateful I came of age in the
0: time before social media. So I'm, I, I've now written a book and it's coming out soon. We'll, we'll talk about it at a different time, but uh, on the attention economy and our, like, how that's changing everything. And there's just so many things that dominate our discourse for a hot moment, and then it's as if they never happened, right? Um, and you, if you look back at your year or the past month or six months, you're like, holy crap, I was so pissed about that. And then it's just out of out of sight, out of mind. It's like we just go, go, go to different topics. And this one, I imagine, because it's not at home to us, it's not hitting home. To me, what's going to happen is it'll stop rating well on TV and we'll move on to something else. The next trucker convoy. And I think that that convoy is actually moving through Texas. The the one that was in Canada. I think uh, the election will happen. Uh, Biden doing something got the State of the Union uh, that just happened. We haven't heard it yet, but it's uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. But um, which is it's the night for us. Um, do you think we lose? I guess maybe you're saying no one knows, but I, we probably start to lose attention on this. And um
1: I think Ukraine remains front and center while the conflict is ongoing. And, yeah. and I do think that, uh, God willing, it gets resolved in a matter of days or weeks and not months.
0: What does resolution look like? Putin is like you said before, Putin declares a bullshit victory.
1: The best case scenario is Putin declares victory and goes back and says, hey, we got uh, we made it safe for the separatist mm-hmm. areas of, of Ukraine. Problem solved. Uh, you know, like uh, yeah. business as usual.
0: <laughs> That's our best case scenario. And worst is nuclear war, right? The worst case is nuclear conflicts. That's what's terrifying everybody.
1: Though, though I will say, it, it would be entirely irrational for his argument to be Russia and Ukraine are one people, we are the same, and I'm going to
0: nuke you for you.
1: <laughs> like, like that makes zero sense. Uh, you know, one of the things I found encouraging
0: is that russians are standing up the russian people don't like this it's a very unpopular war everywhere including russia
1: (laughs) yeah last i saw they'd arrested um you know several thousand people for protesting Mm -hmm. so imagine you live under an authoritarian regime Mm -hmm. your leader is a former kgb strongman and you decide to protest the, the war i mean you pretty much know you're gonna Uh, get arrested and go to jail. This is not like a, you know, right to assemble situation. No, it's not. Um, And so you have thousands of people willing to risk themselves that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Which means in my mind, you have millions of people who feel the same way. There are a number of prominent figures in Russian society who are like, hey, this is, this war is not nothing Mm -hmm. that any of us wants. Um, it, It really is one malignant person leading Uh, them uh, to a war that most people thought was well out of the bounds of possibility. Hmm. I was just reading that the U.S. was going around to folks being like, hey, FYI, we think that Russia may invade Ukraine and everyone didn't believe it.
0: We're only eight months away from midterms. What do you think the political consequences are here in the United States, Democrats, Republicans? I have some thoughts too. I have some funny shit to share, but I want yours at first. I think that this is
1: a... an opportunity for Biden to refocus his presidency on leadership and competence and morality, uh, and um, it, it sharpens the contrast between him and the Republicans in various ways. Mm-hmm. Now, most Republicans are anti-Putin, supportive of uh, these measures. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some marginal voices that aren't, but you know, mm-hmm. like that, they're, they're pretty much out there. Um, so it's not like there's a sharp contrast where Biden wants to do one thing and Republicans want to do something else. Yep, um, but. Uh, I I think that this conflict in Biden's leadership, uh, probably at least mildly, maybe significantly helpful
0: um, for his administration and Democrats. So there's a poll that was circled around a lot was that most people, um, both Democrats and Republicans, believe that this situation in Russia would not have happened if Trump was president and that Putin was. Essentially implying, which I think was, okay, and maybe some people believe this, that Putin's less scared than Biden than he would be of Trump. And doing this felt that there was less consequences if he acted. I think if Biden, I don't know if Biden. Well, I don't Trump think,
1: just voiced approval for this entire course of action. so He does, so, yes, but so, like it so wouldn't anything, have happened. So if Not if the anything, it might have been the reverse where Putin's like, hey, Trump's going to be cool with this, so let me do this thing. And then Trump as president mm-hmm. is like, hey, uh, let Russia do Russia
0: perhaps like i'm not disagreeing i'm not even spe- trying to speculate what trump would be doing it was just the polls like would this have happened if trump was president so as putin you tell i'm of
1: the mind that this totally happens
0: oh yeah i think it would too i don't think that's an accurate but i think that the this is like the sentiment and that's the message that fox news and the republican party has been going with like our weak president and country and lack of strategy and strength at home is hurting us abroad and putin thinks he can do whatever he want without any consequences right and that is changing and i do think this could change the tide i think if biden wants to win in 2024 or the dems want to win they have we have to have a obvious victory here we have to put putin in his place um i'm not sure how to do that and there are people far smarter than i am hopefully working on this but i think that's the case the other thing is the saying is dems suck at war like i generally don't think we're great at this um and i don't like and like it's mainly cuz you have Twitter savvy Dems saying dumb stuff. And I have one, my favorite one of the dumb things I've heard. I mean, by the way, Twitter is ripe for hot takes right now. If you want to see ridiculous takes, this is a good time for Twitter. But Eric Swalwell, who I like, we like, we kind of had fun with him on the trail. He floated the idea, and I like when people float ideas out there. We float ideas out. But he floated the idea of kicking Russian... Russians in the U.S. out of our universities in retaliation to Putin invading Ukraine.
1: Yeah, that's insane. Which
0: is, and it's that kind of stuff. that like, what do Republicans do? They grab it, they clip it, they play it over and over. And Dems are more likely to say that there's, as the party who's supposed to be rational, Republicans are always doing dumb shit.
1: I mean, Russians themselves aren't for this war. Russian Americans, no. I'm sure, are against this war.
0: Um, my, my favorite Eric Swalwell story was when we were backstage, your first debate, and you show up in the line. like We're all back there. And you show up and you weren't wearing a tie. He was like, "Oh, you're not wearing a tie? Damn, man, I was gonna do that. Ah!" Oh. And he like he was like legit jealous and like kind of pissed at himself. I was like, "Hell yeah, uh, that's my favorite favorite swallow story." Uh, Eric's <laughs> a good dude, and I like Eric. Uh, you got um, yeah,
1: but you know, and, and let me be the first to say that you know, uh, bad Twitter take is not a human make. So no,
0: know. it was yeah, that's fair. But but, um, but you uh, are but aware I'm, of that, but it, this was on camera. <laughs> he said it.
1: But but I'm sure but. that. Um, so your earlier point about, like, I, I made a comment uh, a couple of podcasts ago about how Dems, I think, feel pressure to be muscular uh, about mm-hmm. war because they feel like it's a weak spot. They yeah. I feel like Republicans that was my point, yeah. have the hawkish thing and so Democrats um, get painted as doves. So they feel like they need to overcompensate someone. Mm, interesting. Um, the yeah. most famous example being Hillary's vote to authorize the Iraq war and then later being like, oh, oh no, whoops. and then man. Obama was like, yeah, that was a terrible decision. Yeah. Uh, So uh, on this one, um, Biden seems relatively balanced. Uh, You know, there is like the hawkish element, what you described is like, look, Mm -hmm. we should be there fighting. There's a significant amount of me. It's like, look, like this is the most uh, corrupt, unjustified, uh, like uh, evil instigation Mm -hmm. of war against democracy that I can remember, Uh, and so if there's anything that you'd be fighting for, like this would be it. Are um, Democrats generally painted into a corner? That, like Biden was meant to restore a degree of competent leadership. And and I would say that that is the projection mm-hmm. where it seems like he's in sync with the European leaders, that they're acting uh, with a United Front, uh, that the, the US has been competent in mm-hmm. this. Uh, Yeah, I think it helps them, Um, and I I feel like like this portrait is vastly superior to a Trump-led portrait Mm -hmm. uh, in another world where Trump were president right now.
0: What are your thoughts on skin of the game and legacy? In a sense, I feel like this drives a lot of international decisions because it would if I was in that sh- in those shoes. In a sense, if you're Joe Biden. I don't think this is your like career defining legacy. One, you've been there forever. Two, you were you helped your vice president for the first black president of the United States of America. That's probably the biggest legacy you're going to have. And the second one, you were the pre- you're the president that defeated Donald Trump, and was like institutional sanity, right? That, I think those legacies will probably outweigh anything that happens with Putin, unless this turns into an all out. World War III situation. Uh, that's my gut. I think that's relatively accurate. If you're Trump in this situation, like. Well, I, I will
1: put an, an, a counterexample out there. Yeah. Let's say Putin uh, takes Ukraine or m- most of Ukraine or part of Ukraine, and then uh, it emboldens other actors around the world where everyone's like, mm-hmm. hey, it turns out I can just start taking what whatever I want. I want yeah. Um, and so if Biden were to preside over a complete collapse of a sane world order like that, that, that might would, trump the legacy yeah that, like that that would be very very
0: damaging yes it would um and then i guess my point was on the, tr- the flip side trump is trump's legacy is trump you know what i'm saying like the trump mindset the trump way of speaking the trump trump is the republican party right um his drain the swamp kind of like well trump has given rise to
1: trumpism which will outlive right. trump correct
0: yes so my point was Thoughts on the skin in the game aspect of this. So if you're Trump, this fucks up. This is on your name. This is on you. This is your your brand, your, your persona, Trumpism, like essentially on trial and things like this. If you're Biden, you're probably like, this is an institutional thing. So it's a, you're getting advice from a bunch of consultants that don't have any skin in the game and their legacy doesn't matter. You're listening to the institutional brain behind the Democratic Party. Who could care less, um, like when push comes to shove, about this shit as long as their family's safe. Am I being too cynical there? But it was uh, like it feels like to me like Trump would have more skin in the game to like, <laughs> like well, it, it okay, might, so, might be in a bad so, way. It might so, be more aggressive. So,
1: so Russia and Trump have a certain relationship. Here are a couple of things I've heard yeah. from the Joe Biden universe. Mm-hmm. One thing I've heard is that Joe Biden does not want to involve the United States militarily. Our
0: sources on the inside say he's anti, anti. Uh, What's
1: the word? I'm sending American troops, anti-military intervention. Uh, that's in this yeah. situation, but that's- Anti-intervention
0: in, to a fault. Yes. Um, or not to a fault. Oh, it, just anti-intervention. Yes. You yeah, can yeah, say, so time. So
1: number one, genuinely anti-intervention. Uh, mm-hmm. And do other leaders know this? Probably. probably. If, uh, probably. if we know it. Yeah. yeah, if we know it. This is like the,
0: the DC insiders know this. So you gotta assume yes. the international leaders know this in some way.
1: Yeah. The yeah. other thing that we're hearing is that Joe Biden wants to run again, um, but that there are misgivings in in the Democratic Party as to whether that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, Joe Biden's the single biggest factor (laughs) in Joe Biden Mm -hmm. running again. Um, And and the fact that Trump may be the Republican nominee is increasing Joe's desire to run because he feels it's his job to defeat Trump. Mm -hmm. He's done it once. He, He will do it again. If he kicks Putin's ass,
0: I think he'll have a really good shot in 2024.
1: Unfortunately, man, I, I think if this conflict gets resolved, uh, let's say, you know, um, early 2022, I think it's a relatively uh, like you're right. it's like non-factor time. by the you're time 24 right. rolls around. So anyway, the, the single biggest factor yeah. is going to be what
0: the heck is going on with our economy. Which I was we can just going to ask you, we to, should. To this. So you would, yeah, you would talk about the interest rates and the economy. How does this, that was it those are the political consequences. Unclear. Dems will rally around this if they can. Republicans will beat us up, on, beat them up on it if they can. What happens to our economy? Interest rates, inflation. What's going to happen?
1: Well, and I think this is going to play on the midterms, and I'm going to suggest this is probably the most important factor in 24. So, uh, what's going on in Ukraine? And this is obviously a secondary concern to the uh, the logic, and you know, the the tragic loss of uh, of um, life and. Stability and people like, you know, over half a million people uh, have been already been uh, um, turned into refugees from their own country. So distant second to the human toll, uh, prices are likely going to go up as a result, at least in the short term. Um, Even though sanctions have not been applied directly to uh, the energy sector, which Mm -hmm. is Russia's biggest uh, export and the rest of it. Right. Um, But even the sanctions that have already been put in place will spur increased inflation and, uh, in the U S
0: or global or both, both here and globally,
1: both, both here and globally. Um, so one of the, the wilder, uh, facets was that, and this is a sign of where we are in, in you know, in America today is that there was a market rally because the expectations were that, uh, interest rates will remain low longer, um, uh, mm. uh because of instability. Mm-hmm. So, Inflation uh, is at, you know, multi-year, multi-decade highs. Mm -hmm. It's imposing a lot of pain on a lot of people. Uh, This conflict is going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if most people are going to, quote, unquote, blame um, uh, Biden and Democrats for that. Because in in this one, any additional inflation, it's like, obviously, you know, this is on Putin. But a lot of Americans just see what they're paying when they buy gas. They go go buy groceries. The economy's not good.
0: It hurts the sitting president every time.
1: Yeah, uh, and uh, there, there's actually a discussion around Joe's framing. So here's what's happening, and, and I, I find this very agitating is that um, every president essentially just talks about like how good the economy is. Um, uh, and there are things you can point to right now that suggest it is a good economy. Um, but there we, are. We have so
0: many metrics that don't mean anything. You could probably point to but the, anything you know, at any time saying things are good. But there are a whole lot of Americans who. Uh, would completely disagree with any
1: positive evaluation Correct. of the economy. Yeah. And uh, I think that's going to carry through this year. I think it's going to, to play out in the midterms. Mm-hmm. And then the question is whether things are um, hunky-dory by 24. Um, now, now the, the problem for us all, really, is that we've had this extended period of artificially low interest rates um, that have spurred... Um, Speculative bubbles and a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there is an investor that um, said to me, look, like, here's the math, and it, it's problematic, is that if you have interest rates go up by a certain amount um, and you owe, you know, whatever it is, 130% of GDP or whatever we owe, um, then the amount you're paying to service the national debt shoots up mm-hmm. uh, to a significant portion of the federal budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe equally disconcertingly, Uh, a lot of the uh, stock market valuations are based upon very, very low interest rates because you can project out a certain value Mm -hmm. in X years. And because the interest rate is low, then you can justify a very high valuation. But if the interest rate goes up and you apply that interest rate uh, across multiple years, then this valuation no longer makes sense. And then the valuations have to come down.
0: It's crazy how interconnected all this stuff is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so, the single biggest driver right now of these valuations is what's going to happen with interest rates. There are certain uh, Fed hikes that are priced in. Uh, anything that affects those hikes ends up being like a, a you know, frankly, like you know, a mini correction in the stock market, like mm-hmm. the the next day. We're
0: expecting an interest rate hike to fight inflation. Is that what? But you're saying this will. How will this affect it?
1: Yeah, the expectation was that there would be something like, you know, six uh, quarter point hikes mm-hmm. over the, the next 12 months. And, and that stuff's more or less priced in. Uh, and that's necessary to combat inflation that's at 7.5% annualized right. or, or, or whatnot. Um, so now the, the tough part is that inflation's going to go up. You um, may
0: have to rise and raise the rates even higher.
1: But strangely enough, the, the Fed is signaling, or at least the market is expecting the Fed to say, look, we're not going to raise interest rates because we don't want to uh, spook the markets or mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, the the... Um, because of global instability, essentially. So that there is this massive reckoning that's coming down the pike that no one knows how it's going to be resolved when there there are a number of interconnected variables. Number one, the rate of inflation, painfully high. Number two, uh, national debt, um, much higher than, than it's been and is uh, up and up. And then mm-hmm. uh, stock market valuations that uh, are reliant upon low interest rates. <laughs> and, then, and then interest rates that have been kept aberrantly low, um, artificially low. Uh, so I've talked to a number of very, very experienced investors, including David Rubenstein on the podcast where yeah. he looked up and said, well, there are only a few ways out of this uh, and what he joked about, but it was accurate. He said that when he left office under the Carter administration, uh, inflation was at 15%. So no one wants it back. Um, but th- back then, uh, the national debt was something like 30% of GDP instead of 130%. Oh, interesting. So that if you had (laughs) higher interest rates, it doesn't increase your costs uh, as much. Um, So that there are are just a lot of people have looked at this and said, "Hey, look, like this math doesn't add up." Uh, You know, one one person who said this to me when I had dinner with him, uh, you know, like a week or so ago, Tom Steyer, Mm. who's obviously you know hyper experienced investor, and he looked at this and said, "Like, hey, you know, like these numbers uh, are." going to have to uh, correct in one way or another. And the magnitude of the correction is uh, almost
0: unthinkably vast. I've been, there have been some investment experts who have gone to the press and saying, we're headed for a, a big correction that no one's really fully understood. The logic here is sound, like we have a bit of an unsustainable situation going on and geopolitical factors that are driving them the wrong way, right? I. I will say this, if what you're talking about actually happens, you have a big market correction and that sort of thing, it doesn't matter what happens in Russia or these culture issues, like the Dems are toast with a bad economy, you know? Um, it's usually, it's, it's you know, it's the economy stupid or whatever the you know, famous adages. is. Um, oh, so this is the great fear, and I, I unfortunately do sense
1: some parallels, Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that uh, Joe Biden will be stuck with a Jimmy Carter-esque situation. <laughs> Um, the, the issue, so there's a Fed chair, Paul Volcker, under Jimmy Carter, who just turned the screws and said, we're gonna whip inflation. It was whip inflation now, win, everyone distributed win buttons. And the way they whipped inflation was they just freaking turned those interest rates up so high <laughs> that, that you had uh, double digit unemployment and uh, re- recession. Um, and that got Carter out of office, mm-hmm. essentially. He was a one term where he lost to Reagan. Yep. Um, So Joe Biden has inherited a similar situation, uh, but the variables are significantly worse. Yep. Um. So if you believe in the laws of economic physics, uh, there would have to be some uh, draconian measures. But if uh, if the Fed chair today were to do what Volcker did, then it would be completely unacceptable and the damage would be far worse because the um, the debt is so much
0: higher Well. Hopefully, I don't know, we've had a number of conversations on this podcast in particular and personally that economic physics have either been ignored. Either they, they either don't matter anymore or we've been ignoring them forever and they're going to come home to roost at some point, but unclear when and how. Yeah, and how. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know, man. Um, I do think... It sounds like the Russia-Ukraine conflict will have various political consequences, whether it's the war itself or the economic impacts. And so, the economic impact—I want to be clear—it's—it's
1: um, uh, It's not—it's it's not, it's, you know, not clear how significant it's going to be, but it's not going to be good. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it's going to hurt people. It at, shit. It's going to hurt people at the gas station. It's going to hurt yep. people um, um, in
0: their pocketbook. Yep. You know, like that. Like that's. Very very certain can Biden do anything to prevent that end this conflict is well one thing they just did
1: as like a tiny example of something you might want to do is they just released 60 million uh, barrels from the the
0: national oil reserve got it um, so're they're, they're, they're increasing taking increasing the supply of oil to bring the price down They're taking some steps they're like all right let, let's yeah. let, let's start These moves. are the people I pray for you know the, the theoretically very smart people the decisions of very few impacting the lives of many. I do think the, the United States has done a, I'd argue, a really good job or a decent job of like maintaining the money supply and balancing the interest rates since late '80s and '90s, right? I mean, there's some there's some ups and downs, but um, like I would have, disagree, but continue. <laughs> I look, we're not Japan, right? Like you know, like even like as bad as 2008 was, like we got out of it, right? As bad as the early late '90s were, we got so, out of so, it. So
1: so here is the like the my take on it is that. Um, so there are these massive imbalances leading up to 2008. And then 2008, there should have been this reckoning that was absent. Um, and that reckoning should have been uh, political, which uh, it should have been criminal, it should have been civil, and then it should have been economic. Um, Agree with
0: that, but, but the but, excess was too much. But and- we
1: well, we live in a time when no one wanted to pay the price. And so they just said, hey, what's that? like?" Bank, mortgage-backed securities, it's cool, here are your bonuses, no one go to jail. Um, Hey, what's that? Like, you know, stock market cap problematic? Here's hundreds of billions of dollars, recap. What's that? Uh, You know, you need interest rates to be low to like kind of keep the party going, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and we've done that. I still can't believe that that was 14 years ago. And you've essentially had uh, a liquidity fueled like quasi um expansion ever since like we ordinarily you have a recession every eight years or so uh and we're in year 14 of this mega cycle Mm -hmm. that's fueled by just like massive liquidity uh and it's it's unclear how this ends but you know like the David Rubenstein's and the Tom Stiles look at this and are like because they're frankly kind of older like you know Mm -hmm. Rubenstein's in the 70s Tom you know is in I like I don't know 50s or 60s so they're like hey we've kind of seen this movie Um, And this is like a mega sized version of that movie. So just because there hasn't been a reckoning yet, uh, like uh, it's been building. And even the 2008 stuff was built upon, um, in in my view, like, you know, like not great uh, governance and monetary policy leading up to that. Oh, Um, awful. Yeah, awful. So so if you backdate this, like, uh, I think we're looking at. Uh, like something Plastical that's
0: things like that. Yeah,
1: know. exactly. Like that, you know, like the the old days that when you're like, hey, you or can't or have an investment bank and a commercial bank in the same roof, and they're like, no, you can do it. Yeah, that so was they started up. Thank you, Bill. So they started right. It was from that era of deregulation, so you're looking at uh, approximately like a 26 year period. Uh, of excess that's just getting built and built and is kicking the can down the road our politicians have been a huge part of it because they've been like what you know fiscal responsibility Peshaw like you know like Republicans are in power they're like cut taxes Uh, you know Democrats in power they're like well you know like let's uh, uh, add on some new stuff and like not actually look at any of the stuff that that currently is going out Um, so I I talk to people and it's funny because I have a fairly let's say, you know, ambitious view on like what what we can do societally, Mm -hmm. uh, like which I still hold. But there Mm -hmm. are a lot of people who are in this investor class who are deeply concerned uh, about the fact that we have this uh, essentially mega bubble uh, that's been building up over not years, but decades.
0: The question is how much of these economic physics you're talking about have that's what I said before. Has, have they changed? Are they fundamentally different? And this is like the super money you're talking about. We're like, you know what? This is what the Web3 and crypto community argues all the time is that money, you made it up. Right? You're just backing it by the faith in the United States so we can yeah, make left our Yeah, the gold standard a long time and like, ago. Yeah, we can build something that everybody else trusts, which is going to be more trustworthy because it's going to be math and fucking numbers and science and algorithms and transparent. Um, and... So, I mean, if that's the argument, then we can probably do no wrong. I don't know. Um, and, and I guess that's what the investors are like. This doesn't seem like it's adding up. But you know what? They've been saying that for a while. I don't know if that's good. or. I mean, it's probably not a good thing. But maybe it's a new normal. I'm probably wrong in that. It's probably just going to blow up my face and then, you will know, re-record and clip this podcast back. No, it. No, Zach, I mean, you don't know. I it, mean, it's, it's
1: true. Well, you know, I mean, we're, we're living in unprecedented times. Uh, and I mean, you know. it's also true that. Um, the U.S. has a global reserve currency, and that may suspend the laws of uh, physics in a particular it way. Definitely
0: warps them. Right. Um,
1: yeah. And, and there's no real threat to the U.S. dollar supremacy.
0: And there's no threat militarily. Like who collects our debts if we default? There's a like this is the other piece of this puzzle. I think a lot like back in the day if someone you owed them money. You don't get it. What does a mom do? They fucking kill you. Like you, if you, you storm well, the well, castle, then, yeah, right? Well, Whatever it is, the, you go the, to war. The
1: issue in this case is that you know we're like continuously financing based on debt. So even if yeah. people were like, "Hey, I'm going to stop buying your debt," mm. then what are we? There's
0: like there's micro effects. And my point was like the, the U.S. defaults; they never will. Or if they, you know, there's. I mean, heck, we might default for political stupidity. At one yeah, point, we're right? definitely at some point we'll default on something. We've done haven't we done it before? We fade. We failed to. Uh, well, there, there's the entire debt ceiling. Yes, we've been f- yeah. suspension. The government shutdown. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Oh my God. It's just political theater. They're just bored. They're looking for another conflict. Um, this is our world. This is a little depressing. What's getting you excited this week, man?
1: Uh well, th- this week we're celebrating the successful launch of lobby three. So that's lobby good. Lobby three,
0: fun. man. For those of you who don't care about crypto, we're sorry for plugging it. But I do think it is a very worthwhile endeavor. It's a very
1: wholesome endeavor. Yes. I mean, we're we're trying to take some of the resources that have been uh, generated over this past period of time and improve people's lives in the real world, and then make it the case that we should be doing more of this. And by the way, uh, you know, this can help a lot of people in different contexts. Uh, I am super excited about some of the things going on with the Forward Party. We have some great stuff uh, in the pipe. Um, so so that makes me happy yep. all the time. I, you know, I, I will say first thank you to everyone who Listens and supports generally. Uh, uh, extra thank you to to folks who decided to support forward because uh, October we launch, and you know I'm like a fairly uh, confident, resolute guy, so I'm like, all right, let's do this thing. Okay. Um, but there is like a significant part of you that's like, well, oh, I hope people hope this goes well. I hope <laughs> our people are are like are, are excited about it, and can see it, yeah, uh, and, and understand the need. Um, and so the fact that now the Forward Party is this thriving organization with volunteers in states around the country and, uh, you know, financial resources to be able to uh, actually operate and all these things, I mean, it's, it's really special and wonderful and I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're listening to this and you're... Uh, like a donor, a supporter, a volunteer, like thank you from the bottom of my heart because we have a very important case to make. Yeah. Uh, to the American people in the world about what the future can be. More people are waking up every day to the fact that this system, as it stands, is totally mm-hmm. dysfunctional and polarizing, uh,
0: and the answer is not going to come from within. The uh, we are doing a Twitter Spaces on, or maybe it was in our Discord on on Lobby Three and. Someone said something really interesting. He said, "Well, Andrew, I, I love what you're doing, but like I, I don't. I'm worried that you're going to distract from forward. Or I, I want, you know, I don't want you to. I hope you haven't given up on forward. And I, to me, my takeaway is like, um, I, I wanted to clarify this, but forward, if it's successful, has to be bigger than you. It can't be an Andrew Yang thing. It has to be a thriving and, and third party and it's heading in that direction and it's going that way. And that's yeah. the point. And I think." It either has to do one of two things. It needs to become a effective, competitive third party option, which I think that's where it's headed, or, and they're not mutually exclusive, but the second one, it needs to trailblaze for other parties to get started as well, um, where I think you then start about a more dynamic, diverse democracy. Yeah, right?
1: well, well, in order for new entrants to emerge, you have to change the mechanics. But I agree with Correct. you that You're uh, what, cutting what against we're doing the with Lobby 3. Uh, and the Forward Party very much are complementary, mutually beneficial. I mean, some of the people that have been most excited about Forward Party have actually been, uh, like, folks from the Web3 community. Oh, yeah, uh, there's alignment, for sure. And, yeah, there's, there's the alignment. The principles are very aligned. And, and, um, and then
0: if the you... The principles on anything you've done. I don't, like, the core hasn't changed much. I mean, the press will freak out about everything else, but...
1: Yeah, it, it's... So, I, I'm, I'm super pumped about yeah. how things are going, and you know, I don't take it for granted for one second. I mean, it really is remarkable. So when when Forward launched in October, like I, I hit the trail, was doing mm-hmm. book events around the country. Um, you know, one of those is now available on forwardparty.com that you can just watch the video and yep. if you uh, make a small donation. Um, and uh, during that time, I was hopeful that, it's like, okay, hopefully people see what I'm doing and, and we'll, we'll get behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we are, you know, what? four months later or something like that and uh, like the ground's already firm beneath our feet. Like it, it's awesome. And we're just going to keep on growing.
0: It's a Herculean task. So that, that does make me excited. Last thing that makes me excited. Batman comes out this weekend. God, I hope it's good. I hope it's good, man. Robert Pattinson. Don't let me down. Are you a I, fan of his from Twilight or Harry Potter um, or something else? Cause he's done a lot of indie stuff. I loved Tim in what's the movie where he's like, getting chased i can't remember but he's like in the streets like he's got like it's like a gun violence street violence movie he's really good it's called like running something um it's called good time thank you i'm a fan i love that movie good time i actually thought he was great in that and then he's also james gonna know this one too he's also in a movie i think with william defoe in black and white called the lighthouse that's right yep nailed it uh our producers like very uh, movie buff sounds like more lame. He just like knows a lot about movies and directors and things like that. So thank you, James. Um, he's got a, a wide range of talent, in my opinion. And we uh, we did not meet him, but we shared like a waiting room with him uh, on the presidential, because he was on NPR at the same time you were. We didn't recognize him until he was like leaving. We're like I was, that was Batman. Fucking Twilight. That was Bruce Wayne. <laughs> we didn't say Batman. He was Batman. Get him. <laughs> that was uh, Edward Cullen. That's his name from Twilight. It was Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I hope he's good. I think he's a talented actor. I hope the movie's good because I was such. I'm Christopher Nolan's still my favorite director, and so I've been waiting for someone to do Batman well again, um, and so I hope this is a crack at it. The critics somewhat like it. Daily Mail ripped it apart. TBD.
1: I'm optimistic. I like Matt Reeves's work. Uh, I think Pattinson is a very talented actor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the last big movie was. Uh, Spider-Man uh,
0: No Way Home which, which was, was awesome which
1: was awesome um, this is a different theme it's very very different vibe <laughs> uh, at the end all three Batman show up no I'm kidding <laughs> spoiler alert oh shit just kidding it's no, actually it's probably, at your time by now like five Batman hang on Let's uh, count them if you had
0: Ben Affleck Christian Bale who was before that I remember the old ones Val like, Kilmer but uh, Val Kilmer George Clooney
1: and Keaton Michael Keaton it's five. So people are totally going to omit Clooney from this list because he only showed up once and only that, was did, it not, once that and did not once. do well. Um, you know what be
0: cool? The villains were still great, though. Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze and Danny DeVito as Penguin. Like, come on. Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Like, I'm not saying the movies were that great, but just, like, the vibe cast I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jack about- Nicholson as the Joker. Like, come on. These are, like, very iconic castings. But it was a different type of... Uh, different type of movie it was a little more it was a little more comic booky if you will james is our producer is listening to this probably like rolling is he wants to throw up in his mouth about our ineffective movie takes but you know you're all here for it if you're still listening we love you for listening to that
1: take care of yourself out there uh to the extent that the news is getting to you mentally feel free to take a break from it feel free to you know just take a walk outside uh just remember to control the things you can control do the things you can do don't imagine that the weight of the world is on your shoulders uh, because the most important thing you can do uh, is feel good. Uh, take care of yourself. Um, that's going to make you more able to take care of the people around you and, and
0: do the things that uh, you need to do. We're back right. Monday and then with Ramesh and Andrew and I back on Thursday. See you then.